0: Hit it.
1: Islam, salamu alaykum. Shalom. Hotep. I want to welcome all to another area of Conscious Vibes Radio. Of course, I am your host, Ramiel Il-Bay, And today, show we will be um, going into the subject matter of spiritual ascension through chakra cleansing. Before I get into either one of those subjects, I want to make our, our general announcements, as we usually do, um, as a way of a reminder. We have the classes, the Great Seal study classes that go on in the Sacramento Territory at 4311 Attawa. And that is off of 12th Avenue, close to City College. That goes on every other Saturday. I think this Saturday, this coming Saturday, uh, there should be a class coming up. Um, you can contact Brother um, Hakeem, uh, or you can actually email me, and then I will put you in contact with Brother Hakeem. Uh, in the Sacramento Territory. You can email me at northgatebay at com. And, again, those classes are every other Saturday. And start at 3.30 in the afternoon and go on to 5.30. You have also have the Great Seal study class, that goes on in the Oakland-San Francisco territory, and that goes on at 3,100 Telegraph inside of Samuel Merritt University. That is every Thursday at 3,100 Telegraph, and that is in Oakland territory specifically uh, at 7 p.m. That is also... Uh, broadcast live for all those who are outside of the area to be able to participate. You can subscribe to or be a part of the live showing by going to Moab Bay, Moab Bay on um, YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and you subscribe to Moab Bay, you will be able to uh, follow um, the the live show uh, as it's going on. We also have um, October the fifteenth and the sixteenth. We have Brother Emir Taj Tariq Bay, who will be coming. Um, back to the Northern Khalifa uh, area. On Saturday, on Saturday, there will be uh, an all-day seminar that would take place at Samuel Merritt University. But that would be on the Hawthorne. I think it's 350 or either 400 Hawthorne. And that's Saturday. And that will be um Todds and myself during the seminar all day um, Todd's will deal with the subject matter of taking control of your estate, or you will get into uh trust law uh formation of a trust, declaring nationality um all of those things. And I will deal with the uh subject of uh the the science of government, where I will get into the setup of government and dual, and the dual society and how that takes plays a part uh in the moor divine national movement as well as getting into uh world government and the setup uh and how that affects the moorish divine national movement also uh, because it's a seminar. Of course, you will, you know, as we did last year in the Masters of Law class, you will get um, your books and folders uh, so that you will be able to have your study guide right in front of you, um, and, of course, you will be able to take that with you. We're working on um, food set up uh, so that everyone can um, be able to not, you know, not have to leave so we can take, you know, no more than um, – Maybe a 30 or forty minute break to eat since everyone doesn't have to leave um, if we can get that set up properly. So we're working on that for Saturday, the food setup. Saturday, the doors will open at nine am. The seminar will start promptly promptly at ten and end promptly at five. And then there's some other activities that we're working on for that Saturday evening, uh, also on so Sunday. Uh, EMIR will be in the Sacramento Territory at the Wozze Center. And, again, that's at 4311 Actua. And that will go from 3, I think, till 7 or 3 to 6. The subject matter for that event will deal with um, treaty law and how it affects us. Today, so we'll get into the Treaty of Peace and Friendship, uh, Treaty of Tripoli, um, uh, the Treaty of Verona. All those different things will be covered, and what effects it has on the Moors today, um, how to enforce treaties, how you know all those things. So that's what we'll be, what he'll be going into on Saturday. Um, I mean on Sunday in the Sacramento Territory. So I encourage everyone to get those tickets now because the tickets for the Oakland presentation are on sale now. Uh, You can go to uh, PayPal, and you're going to be able to get the tickets there um, by doing the – right now the tickets are on sale until Sunday. So from today till Sunday, the tickets are on sale for thirty notes. So for a contribution of thirty notes that secures your entry. And you go to North Gate Bay. Or excuse me, you, you pay to Northgate Bay at gmail dot com. And that is how you in in the notes you put it to secure your um entry for the event in Oakland. You will need, in order to pay the 30 notes, you need to have it in by Sunday evening. By By the time it turns to Monday, when I wake up on Monday, then 30 notes will not be accepted. It will then move to 40 notes for two weeks. So from... From today until Sunday, it's 30 notes. Starting next Monday, it will then go to 40 notes for two weeks. And then the week of the event, starting the Monday of the event, it will be 50 notes to secure your entry. And you make all those payments for the Oakland presentation at northgatebay at gmail.com. Of course, Bay is spelled B E Y. Now, for the Sacramento presentation, the tickets, can uh, your, your entry can be secured for a donation of 20 notes right now. So from now until Sunday, it's the same time frame. From now until Sunday, they are, it is a 20-note donation for the um, Sunday event in the Sacramento territory. Once Monday hits, it goes to 30, and then the week of it goes to 40. So from from the week up to the door, it's 40 notes in Sacramento territory. You can secure your spots for Sacramento by also going to PayPal, but it is a different email address. You do not pay for Sacramento on the other email address. This email address to pay to on PayPal for the Sacramento event with ties to Bay. Is nine spelled out N I N E five F I V E nine five spelled out at Prodigy dot net. So it's N I N E F I V E at P R D I G Y dot net. So those are the – that is the info for the two um, two events, October 15th and 16th, with Emir Taj Tariq Bank. Okay? Now, we also want to make sure that everyone is aware of the online store for more Unity clothing. Um, you can go to square, up, square, up, like circle, square, up dot com forward slash store forward slash more dash unity dash clothing. And that is the online store for more unity clothing. You will find all of uh, our apparel on there at this point. Uh, We ask that you support us as we support you. You'll find that the uh, clothing is all high-quality attire, um, The polos on there are um, very beautiful. The tees for women are very beautiful. And then we're also going to be adding more as people are um, supporting the uh, clothing line with finance. We'll be adding more things, buying, you know, and and, and making more things to add to the site. So we're starting out with this to get you all to go ahead and support it. If you haven't gotten anything, go on there, grab something. It can be shipped out tomorrow to you. Everything at this point is in stock, nothing is out of stock. So the quicker you you, uh, get it now, the quicker it will be shipped out to you. Um, We're also going to be working on winter apparel um, and having that in. uh, We want to have that in within the next 60 days. So go to more, go to squareup.com forward slash store forward slash more dash unity dash com and be a part of the More Unity Clothing Movement and get it today. So let's get into our subject matters. So I was actually, the subject came up during the class, the live class on Thursday. And as we was going over, you know, the subject of the, um, the, the archaic spiritual fall That we that uh, took place In um, 69 AM There were questions that arose About how to Begin to rise spiritually What were some of the things That could be done And we got into speaking about You know the chakras and meditations And um, The Moabite mothers in the class um, ask that there be a show done strictly dealing with um, the seven chakras and um, meditation um, so that those things can be cleared up. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to get into um, clearing up or an understanding of um, the seven seven chakras an understanding of what each chakra does um, and what, you know, the uh, kundalini energy actually is and um, what it does when it's being released or what you feel when it's being released. So before we get into actually that, what I want to do is introduce the definitions to you of what the word holy and spirit actually means. Now the word. Bring up this huge book here. This huge dictionary. The we're going to look at the word holy, and I'm going to go into uh, the second edition edition unabridged Webster's the second edi- edition edition. And I'm going to look up the word holy for you to read the definition so that we can understand exactly what some of these texts have been telling people um, for ages and the coding that it has took. Now, holy, and here it tells you that it is an adjective. And then they have one down that's a noun, and then they have one that's a verb. So we'll read um, some of them. Adjective holier, or holiest, Middle English holly, h o l i, or Haley, h a l i, from from halig, taken to halag, h e l a g. Halig is h a l a g. L A G L I G excuse me. Old High German Helix H E I L A G Old Norse Helier, H E I L A G R Goth Helags H A I L A G S It says sea Hole or halibut, Halibum halo, halo Halo Hot It says Set Apart to Service or worship of deity, hallowed, sacred, as holy vessel, priesthood, as a religious epithet, or deity especially of any one of the Trinity. Then we'll go into some other things about the saints. Now, if you go into the noun version, it says uh, plural, holy, a holy thing or place as a sanctuary. Now, in, in the verb, it says to make holy, to consecrate. Now, as you'll notice there, that in none of those, in that dictionary, it does not give you, did not give you, any of the um, definition of the etymon, of the word holy. So now, we're going to go into an etymological dictionary. And we're going to look at the word holy. It says old English, helig, holy, sacred. Sacred, Godly, Ecclesiastical, from Proto-Germanic, Helaga, source also of Norse, Helaga, Danish, Helig, Old frisking Helish, Holy, Old Saxon, Helag, D- Middle Dutch, Helich, Old High German, Helag, German, Helig, Gothic, Helagas, Holy, from PIE Kalo, whole, Uninjured. Still not really giving you... Um, The the true etymological definition is going to tell you the Proto-Indo-European is to be whole. Okay, it's telling you that the Proto-European definition in this case means to be whole. Primary pre-Christian meaning is not possible to determine, but probably it was that must be preserved whole or intact that cannot be transgressed or violated and connected with old English hall, see health. An old High German hill, health, happiness, good luck, holy water. Hopefully, you're seeing the problem with this definition. And for those who may be new to the science, you're able to you you know it. But for those who are not, you will notice that. Or you should notice, or you may not notice, that they're not telling you exactly what the word actually means. They're not telling you exactly what it means. If you look at the Oxford, I have an Oxford, Oxford Universal Dictionary. It's telling you. Um, also says, whole or hill, kept or regarded as invalid." invalid and ordinary Um, says pertaining to the God or divine persons, having their origin or sanction from God, confirmed to the will of God entirely devoted to God or godly. Um, They go to the Nazarite and go into some um, things pertaining to that. In these definitions, They're not giving you the true etymon. The reason I'm going into that is because this is how they've been keeping the information as to what the Holy Spirit is. This is how they have been able to keep it from individuals from being able to learn the information. When you go into, um, like, Sanskrit, Arabic In Ibrī, the word "holy," of course, it's coming from as it was saying you "halig" and "hall." It means fire. The word "holy" means fire. So, without that understanding, when you're presented with certain material, you won't have the understanding of what it's telling you or what you're reading. The word holy means fire. So when you're looking at the word holy scriptures, it means fire papers, holy Bible. Scriptures would be writings. Holy Bible would mean paper, fire paper. When you're looking at Holy Quran, it's going to mean fire or sun reader. So you have sun or fire papers and sun or fire reader, Quran or Bible, depending on which one it's saying. Now, when you look at the word spirit, I'm going to turn to it also in this dictionary. And mind you, these are. These are great dictionaries that I'm looking at here. And you're still not being completely given all of the information. So the word spirit.
2: Let me see
1: here. Spirit. This is in the second edition Webster's is going to tell you it's a noun. It's an old French or Latin. Old French, a spirit, a spirit, Latin, spiritus, akin to Latin, spirit to breathe, to blow, and probably to old slab, piscati, to pipe, to breathe of life. Life or the life principle conceived as a kind of breath or vapor animating the body or in man meditating between body and soul. To Plato, it was the second division of the tripartite, tripartite soul of man, intermediate between the soul of the belly, which rules the merely vital function, and the rational soul seated in the the head. So there it instantaneously jumps out and tells you that the word spirit means to breathe. It means breath. Okay. Spirit simply means breath. It means the breath of life or the animating breath that you breathe on a daily basis. So with that I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that are dealing with the chakras and meditation. I'm going to read one where Isa or Yeshua, known as Jesus, is speaking to everyone. Um, about the comforter. Let me find it here. I'm going to start at John 14, started verse 23. In answer, Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he will observe my word, and my father will love him. And we shall come to him and make our abode with him. He he who does not love me does not observe my words. And the word that you are hearing is not mine, but belongs to the Father who sent me. While remaining with you, I have spoken these things to you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, which the Father will send in my name, that one will teach you all things, and bring back to your minds all the things I told you. I leave you peace. I give you my peace. I do not give it to you the way that the world gives it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let them shrink for fear. You heard that I said to you, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you will rejoice that I'm going my way to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. So now I have told you before, it occurs in order that when it does occur, you may believe. I shall not speak much with you anymore, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has no hold on me. But in order for the world to know that I love the Father, even as the Father has given me commandments to do, so I am doing. Get up. Let us go there. So here we're seeing that the Helper, that the Father is sending a helper in the Holy Spirit. So understanding that the helper is the Holy Spirit, then one has to interpret exactly what that means. What is the helper? How and, and now that people understand or those who are listening understand that Holy Spirit means the fire breath. So in light, understanding that the breakdown of what you're reading, as we get into the information, in this scripture, Jesus is actually taking the feminine form. Jesus is actually taking a feminine form. And you'll see that when we get into this more into the information. And the father, in this aspect, is going to be dealing with a part of spiritual enlightenment. And then the helper, the mediator, between the father and the son is the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit is the go-between. And that go-between is what allows one to literally be able to unite the Father and the Son. And although in this scripture, and as we get into it, you'll see that in that scripture, for many reasons, Jesus is taking the, the, uh, um, a feminine aspect. Let's go to... Revelations 5. And we're reading this first because I want everyone to get an an understanding of how this is put in here and how you're not really seeing exactly what it's saying because this is not what we're taught. We're taught that the Holy Spirit is a part of or the – the spiritual um, the active attribute of God, this is generally what you're taught. It's the active force of God, because the word isn't broken down to where you really understand what's being said and by you not being being able to understand what's being said, this is how the bills keep getting paid because this is what makes them useful. This is what stops the tree seal from being completely dead. So Revelation 5, it says, And I saw in the right hand of the one seated upon the throne a scroll written, and on the reverse side, sealed tight with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? But neither in heaven, nor upon earth, nor underneath the earth, was there a single one able to open the scrolls to look into it. And I gave way to a great deal of weeping. because. Okay, my apologies. I'm not sure of what just happened there, um, but it looks like somehow... I got um, kicked out, off the show and had to um, get back on it. So my apologies from that, uh, some sort of technical difficulty um, having was having here on the show. So let's jump back in here. I'll start over with the scripture. Um, it says, and I, saw, and I saw in the right hand of the one seated upon the throne, a scroll written, and on the reverse side sealed, tight with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? But neither in heaven nor upon earth nor underneath the earth was there a single one able to open the scroll or look into it and, and gave way to a great deal of weeping because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. But one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion that is, is of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so as to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw standing in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders, a lamb as though it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which, uh, which eyes mean the seven spirits of God that have been, been sent forth into the whole earth and he went and at once took it out of the right hand of the one seated upon the throne and when he took the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down upon the lamb having each one a harp and golden golden bowls that were full of incense and the incense means the prayers of the holy ones and they sing a new song saying you are worthy to take the scrolls upon its seals because you are slaughtered with your blood you bought persons for God out of every tribe and tongue and people of the nations, and you made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they are to rule as kings over the earth. So in that scripture, let's replace some of the words, and then we're going to get into how to interpret this to understand its correlation with meditation and its correlation with the chakras. What it's telling you in verse one, and I saw it on the right hand of the one seated upon the throne. The throne is the seventh chakra. And it says, a scroll written on the reverse side, sealed with tight with seven seals. Now, those seven seals are the seven chakras. And I saw a strong angel, angle, proclaiming with a loud voice. The angel or angle is representing information. That's why I'm speaking. Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And neither in heaven nor upon the earth nor underneath the earth was there a single one able to open the scroll and look into it. And I gave away to a great deal of weeping. And now we'll go down to five. But one of the elders says, stop. Stop weeping. Look, the lion that is of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so, it is o- so as to open the scroll and its seven seals. This is dealing when it's speaking of the tribe of Judah it is representing a priestly class of individuals it is not it is not representing actual formation of what we will think of when we see our Hebrew Israelite brothers proclaiming to be the tribe of Judah it is literally speaking of a priestly class of individuals all around the world, which it gets into later. And it says, and I found standing in the midst of the throne, and the four living creatures in the four in the midst of the elders, a lamb as though it had been slaughtered, and having seven horns and seven eyes, and which seven means the seven spirits of God. Now it's telling you there When it's speaking about The living creatures and the elders The four pillars Or the four elders Are your cardinal signs The four pillars And the four elders Are your cardinal signs Of the zodiacus And it's telling you here That when it, when it gets into, says that the elders, a lamb as though it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which means seven spirits of God. So it just told you, understanding, replace the word spirit with its definition of breath. So let's go back and replace it. Having seven horns, understanding that seven is a divine number. Seven is the divine number dealing with completion, dealing with rest. Seven horns, seven eyes, which means the seven spirits. Now replace spirit, so which means the seven breaths of God that have been sent forth into the whole world. The seven breaths, spirit means breath. And he went and at once took it out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. Why is it in the right hand? The right hand is the spiritual side of the right hemisphere, the right side of the brain is dealing with intuition. It is the spiritual aspect. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, the 24 elders, are now going back. The Zodiac fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and a golden bones that were full of incense. And the incense means the prayers of the fire ones. It says holy ones, and they sing a new song, saying, "You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals." Because you were slaughtered and with your blood you bought a person, you bought persons for God out of every tribe and tongue and every nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they are to rule as kings over the earth. So in here, again, it goes back to, it tells you that the people who are able to open these seals, the people who are able to take control of these seals will come out of every nation. And those will be the people who have dominion or rulership over the earth. Those are the people who will set the standard for the new planetary arrangement. And then it says in 11, I saw and I heard a voice of many angels or angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and a number of them were mirrors and mirrors and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, The lamb that was slaughtered is worthy to receive the power and the riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory of blessing. And every creature that is in heaven and on earth, underneath the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying to the one seated sitting on the throne and to the lamb be the blessing and the honor and the glory and the mighty forever and ever. And the four living creatures went saying, amen. And the elders fell down and worship. So if you simply replace the word spirit, understanding that that means breath, the word fire, understanding that that means, I mean, excuse me, the word holy, understanding that it is uh, etymologically etymologically going back to the word fire and sun, then you see that when it's telling you that a mediator, a comforter will be sent, and that those sent, those seven, those seven different forms, the seven horns, and all those things represent the seven breaths. Because remember it said the seven spirits. Spirit means breath, the seven breaths of God. And that all, there will be many, the people who are able and found worthy to undo these seals, there are seven seals, will constitute people from every tribe and nation and they will be given dominion over the earth as kings and queens. This is representing the move into Aquarius. Understanding Aquarius is the water bearer. That is why in this day and age, as we're moving and the planetary energy is changing, those who are more of a priestly nature have a priestly inclination Are seen more authoritatively by the masses. Those who have opened or are in the process of opening their own seals, or who are being found worthy of opening their own seals, are the ones who are constituting the new class of beings on the planet, spiritual ascension. Depending on what you're studying, your seven chakras will be called wheels. Um, in some books, you'll also be be uh, made to understand that there are actually a lot more than seven chakras. But for the purpose of this, we will only deal with the seven. Because the seven primary chakras are the ones that need the attention in order for you to even be able to get or deal with um, the other chakras. The understanding of the chakras is held In most of your sacred or secret societies, when you're looking at the the mason's apron, the mason's apron is set to cover your lower three chakras, which symbolically represents the circling or squaring your passions, squaring your lower nature. So when you see the mason nation, the mason's apron, which will have the compass on the square, it will always be over the lower three shots, and that literally is a symbol of conquering your lower self you have. <clears throat> Within the chakra system, you have different attributes that are attributed to each chakra. Now, you're going to have the root chakra, or or what will also be called the mother hodra, or the cosics, that is the physical center, the cosics. On the cosmic plane, it is a, the the and it is one one of the thomas T A M A S. You also have the Vishnu's Thama, which is called the sacred sacral chakra that is the corresponding physical center in the body, the sacral area, which is going to be around your navel area. The costis is going to be your root. That is going to be the area between the anal cavity and the genitalia. Now, the local, the local or the cosmic plane of the sacral chakra is a savonoka, and then also is a tamas, tamas. And again, that's spelled T-A-M-A-S. And the reason that it's called the tamas is because of the nature that it deals with. It deals with darkness and ignorance. And because it deals with the darkness and ignorance, that is why it's considered of your lower nature chakras. These are your uh, primal or your basic instinct chakras. The horror is going to be considered your root chakra. It is going to be dealing with your instincts towards survival. Kill or be killed. The first law of the jungle is survival. You've got to eat. It is rooted in the full physical, physical mundane presence of things. Fully established there The Thana Or the sacral Chakra Is going to be the mode of existence Of uh, Procreation It's also going to deal with lust Greed It's going to deal with the affinity And affinities Of worldly things The thirst After material things These are your tamas Your dark And worldly things based in ignorance Prakrita Now you're going to move up further to the Manipura and the Anahata. The Manipura is your solar plexus. Now the cosmic on the cosmic plane, it is the Moraloka. The Anahata or the cardiac plexus. That is going to be your heart chakra. The on the cosmic plane it's understood as the Jona Loka. Now these <clears throat> excuse me are considered to be rajas. Now the mode of these um prakriti are associated with energy, with movement, and with passion. Within the Manipura, you're going to have seated there your soul. That is known as the seat of the soul, your solar plexus, the Manipura. That's going to deal with your um, your self-esteem. It's also going to deal with your energy levels. When you get into the Anahata or your heart chakra, that's going to deal also with your passion. That's going to deal with your openness to life, and to love. Now, when you get to the Vesuta or the thoracic plexus, on the cosmic plane, that's going to be the tapaloka. And then you'll have number six, which was is the Ahana, which is the pituitary, And on the coffee plane is the Satyuloka. Now those are going to be considered sattva. And those are going to deal with wholeness, purity, and virtue. Now the Vizhuda That is your throat chakra. Your throat chakra. Your thorax. The ayana, the pituitary. That is going to be your sixth chakra, your first eye. And again, all these energy centers... Correlate to personality traits They also correlate To your inner and outer vibration When you start getting into How these chakras Are organized in the body you have the shakti and the prana. The shakti, shakti, S-H-A-K-T-I, is also going to be what's known as the kundalini energy. And then you're going to have the prana, P-R-A-N-A, P-R-A-N-A which is going to be the breath. The means of the activation and the representation of the Shakti is what most people are trying to get a a better understanding of. Unfortunately, when we're looking at how Western philosophy has adulterated the movement of all of these different ancient organic techniques, there becomes the, the problem. The ancient techniques of the yogi or, or yoga has been completely adulterated And monetized in the western hemisphere So you have Thousands and thousands and thousands Hundreds of thousands of of people Who are running to do yoga And they're being given the ritual Of yoga No different than if you were to go to church They're being given these exercises Which is all they're doing They get into doing yoga uh, in high intense levels of heat with no basic foundation of the purpose. And so all you have coming out of these places is a bunch of people who are extremely flexible but have no grounded spiritual nature in any way, shape, or form, don't understand the purpose of the, um, of the moves um, of yoga or anything of that nature. Have no understanding of the breath and how to, what the utilization of the breath for these techniques are. It's just a monetized and adulterated form of ancient spiritual practices, which is the way because the Albion has not produced any 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 spiritual practice on the planet. So his whole mode of operation is to adulterate and monetize things and remove the spirit from it, remove the spiritual effect from it and bring it completely down into the mundane, trapping people into thinking that actually getting things that have a spiritual nature when they don't. When you're looking at the moves that are practiced inside of yoga, the moves themselves are supposed to, if the spirit is left within them, to allow the Christ energy to rise. This is also covered in the Circle 7 Quran, when it goes into the relationship of Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist is recognized as purity. Purity pays the way, pays the way for love. Without purity, love cannot come next. And without purity existing before love, love itself does not exist. Your yogic practices are supposed to be a cleansing process that's done. It is the process of John the Baptist. The reason that you have these ancient moves of flexibility instituted is to remove inner blockages out of certain vortexes in the body. The purpose of removing those blockages that for lack of a better term we will call negative energy is so that as the kundalini or Christ energy the Shakti rises that it does not cause intense amounts of pain Because if you have too many blockages It will not allow The Shakti to rise So that a a teacher Is supposed to Prior Prior To allowing a student To release The Kundalini energy Release the Shakti Is to give them different modes of operations and teachings that allow them to remove the blockages. That isn't done first, then of course you run into all the problems. Now some of the ways to actually start to cleanse yourself, start to cleanse yourself so that you actually can start to allow the kundalini energy to uh, ascend. You have the practice of yoga. Practice of Hatha, Hatha, is called Hatha Yoga, which is the purifying exercises. These exercises, again, help the body to tolerate the energy of the kundalini. So these are your stretching exercises. These are the exercises that you're doing. And as you are on exertion, on exertion of a pose, So as you're moving and you hit, go into the full pose position. As you're going into that position, you are supposed to be exhaling. So you start out in your start position. You go into a pose, one of the hundreds of poses in yoga, any of them. And as you're going into the pose, you are supposed to be controlling your breathing. You want to slow your breathing down as much as possible. Breathing is supposed to start in your stomach. So when you inhale, you inhale with your stomach. From your stomach as it's filled up, then you move into your chest. And you fill that up. Now, for those who are listening, let's take a moment and let's actually, I want you to try that. That one breath, if you're doing it correctly, will literally take about 20 seconds to do. So, if you're doing it, we'll start now. You'll start with your stomach, and then as your stomach, when your stomach is full, then you go into your chest, and you'll go. So start now, go. Now, the purpose is to get as much air into yourself as possible. And, and for those who actually tried it, you will feel that, especially when you're new, you're going to feel even some blockages in you attempting to do that. And that means that your chest or your rib cavities are too tight, and the exercise itself will also help to loosen those cavities. Breathing in that way, starting your day with those with breathing in that way, we're going to get to the other aspects of it. Will help to clear cleanse the blood. It will help to oxygenate to all of your blood in your circular system. It would help to carry oxygen to all of your limbs and your organs. Now, if you breathe in for 20 seconds, then what you are supposed to do at the top of that breath is hold it for 20 seconds. Now, this is the height of what you're attempting to do. And then after you hold it for 20 seconds, then you're supposed to exhale for 20 seconds. And then after you exhale for 20 seconds, then you hold that posture for 20 seconds. And that's one breath. At three breaths a minute, which would basically be, was <clears throat> it five, five, um, five seconds, five seconds, five seconds, five seconds, so five seconds inhale, five second hold, five second exhale, five second hold. At three breaths a minute, that is actually the state of manifestation. Once you can get your breath down to three breaths a minute, then that will allow you to draw things into your physical reality. That will connect you back to where you are able to start actually manifesting things on this plane. Full connection is going to take you meditating doing three breaths a minute for about fifty five, fifty six minutes straight. At one breath a minute for about the same amount of time, then that gives you and reconnects you cosmically back. That is a way to to literally cosmically channel yourself back, to connect back to the divine, to the source. Now, with those uh, pranayama, or what, those breathing exercises, that's going to help to rechannel channel the different energies. It's also going to help Start to awaken the Kundalini energy. Now, when you are trying to attempt to draw back the Ida or Pingala, there are a number of spiritually related exercises. When channeling the energy, through a sushana, or what is called a third channel, which is going to be dealing with the center of the spine, those exercises become very, very key. Now, as the prana value or, a prana value is brought upward, the two masculine and feminine principles merge. The masculine principle, in this case, if you're going into um, the Vedic teachings, is going to be he who sits on top of the throne and that is going to be with the one who sits on top of the seventh chakra, the halo. The feminine attribute is actually going to be the Shakti or the kundalini energy herself. This is also why when you get into studying ancient Kamachan information, it also shows you that our set is actually the representation of the cobra on the hairdress that's worn by the initiates. So when you see the cobra coming off of the headdress, representing the opening of the sixth seal, That is Aset And that is a representation The cobra being the representation Of the awakening Or the energy that awakens And that is feminine energy This is why I said that When we were reading that scripture That in that scripture Isa, Yeshua or Jesus was actually taking the feminine form. When he was speaking of being drawn up and reuniting with the Father, the Father becomes, at this point, the crown chakra, and the Christ energy is feminine and that becomes the snake or the serpentine energy that is feminine, that is offset. Now, another way to prepare yourself to unleash some of the kundalini energy is through pure concentration and meditation. Concentration and meditation on certain sensory nerves, such as the tip of the nose or the root of your tongue. And you can also concentrate on certain chakras. Concentrating on the tip of your nose, the root of your tongue, sitting there in meditation and concentrating on that. There are sensory organs in those things. Actually concentrating on particular chakras, concentrating on the chakra. A lot of people are going to tell you about where you want to start to attempt to change the color um, of the chakra for instance, they will tell you that if you want to concentrate and begin to heal and um, um, or heal your first chakra that you want to peer into the first chakra mentally, even put your palm, which is another chakra that we won't get into, but put your palm on. That chakra so let's say your root chakra, put, put your uh, palm to both of your hands close to your root chakra and concentrate on seeing a bright red light in that area that is one way to do it if you were if you were doing your second chakra, concentrating on manifesting the bright yellow or excuse me orange light. On that area. If you were doing your third chakra, concentrating on manifesting a bright yellow light in that area. If it was your fourth chakra, concentrating on manifesting a bright green light in that area. If it was your fifth chakra, concentrating on manifesting a bright blue light. In that area. If it was your sixth chakra, concentrating on manifesting a bright purple light in that area. If it was your seventh chakra, concentrating on manifesting a bright indigo. Light in that area. So with those, those are, that's one, another way, just by simply concentrating on those things, just concentrating. Now, this is not to fully, to fully manifest, the actual kundalini energy. This is the preparation for the manifestation of the kundalini energy. Again, this is not for the full release of the kundalini energy. This is to get you prepared for it. Now, you also have but to Mariah, physical and mental celibacy. And this is one that becomes very important because of the energy that is manifested or harnessed within the body. Now, with the sexual energy that actually is manifest in the body, this this is a creative force, to be able to take and keep yours in. So every time you excrete your fluids, you reach a port of orgasm, you release these creative fluids. You release them into the atmosphere. What they will teach you to do Is that instead of releasing them Into the atmosphere To hold them Keep them in And learn how to harness And rechannel that For spiritual ascension But they also Also said Mental Celibacy And that is going to deal with Mentally disconnecting, mentally disconnecting from your environment, becoming celibate towards your environment, which is also going to deal with hibernation. So this is why many of your yogis um, and your monks. Or away This is a part of the mental celibacy the re- and You have them who, They also practice physical celibacy For the monks and the yogi They practice all of these forms But this is the reason why Because it is a cleansing process And a rechanneling of the energy You also have what is the tantra, tantra, tantric yoga. Now, this one is the one that, of course, has been completely adulterated and misguided uh, on one of the the worst levels. Through the acts of connecting the masculine and feminine energy through your t- tantric positions or your sexual positioning and understanding breathing The connecting back and the worshiping of those, the energies, the connecting back and worshiping of the feminine aspect of the energy can also start to prepare your body. For instance, each part of the vaginal canal, in each part or each um Part of the uh, phallus Correlates To certain organs On the Bible Understanding the skin is also an organ With some of the Tantric positions You're actually able To heal your organs And your body In many times When it has The opportunity for a sexual, physical, sexual experience will dictate to you what sexual position to do and it will manifest into a thought where you will say, okay, let's do it this way. In most of your cases, your body is sending a signal to you to say that, hey, your kidney needs some attention. Do this sexual position because this touches a certain part of the vaginal canal or certain parts of the phallus that correlates to your kidney. And by the the stroke of the sexual penetration, it begins to heal those different aspects of the body. When manifesting or attempting and beginning to manifest and prepare the body For the rise Of the kundalini energy And you want to do it through If you are attempting to do it Through tantric Poses Or tantric um, Positions Then the the masculine And feminine energy Has to literally be on one accord Because there is an immense transfer of energy that is supposed to go on through this this sexual experience, which allows both individuals to come away in a more awakened state and to come away with their body more prepared for the release of the energy. One of the things that a couple would want to do is literally remove themselves from the physical aspect of the experience. You can do this by looking directly into each other's eyes and concentrating on being completely present with the other individual and literally breathing the same, at the same pace. Breathing at the same pace will allow a complete transfer of the energy it will allow for the spirits to actually unite. But you have to remove yourself from the sexual, from the physical aspect of what you're doing. You also, during the positions, depending on which positions you're in, let's say that you are able to be face-to-face in whatever position that you're in taking the heads and placing the six chakras face-to-face together, meaning touching forehead-to-forehead. Again, the, the point, though, becomes to remove yourself from the physical experience that's going on and p- completely channel yourself into the spiritual experience so that your body can be prepared for the rising of the kundalini energy because you're actually exchanging, it's completely exchanging energy here. Now, this is also a time where if the couple within these poses is able to connect on this type of level, slow the breathing down to breathing at the exact same pace. The man has to also be able to um, really remove himself so that he does not prematurely ejaculate. So instructions have to be given. There has to be a communication. This is not a physical experience that you will manifest. In. This is a physical—I mean, a spiritual experience. So you have to really be in tune with each other. It's not a haphazard thing. You have to settle down. You can also use this state to manifest things in your relationship and your life. If at the point of, if once you're doing these type of practices, if at the point of orgasm, if the masculine and feminine energies orgasm together, And if they are carrying the same thoughts at the same time, if you're carrying the same thought at the same time, at the point of orgasm, having that combined thought actually takes her womb and uses it as a center of creation to pull whatever that is that you are concentrating on into the physical reality and manifest it meaning that if you want to, let's say, something small, buy a new home, and you get on the same page with these different things, then at the point of orgasm can actually concentrate on and see visually the same thing. At the same time, you can use the womb of the Moabitis to manifest that. And she can make that a reality through her creative principle, her creative properties. But again, these are things that actually have to be um, practiced and you have to remove yourself from the physical and enter into the spiritual realm. These are the preparations that need to take place in order to get prepared for the release of kundalini energy. And without this preparation, what you will see is that your body cannot handle it. There are many different ways that you will feel the kundalini energy as it's being released. Some of the ways is that you will feel hot Burning sensations in different parts of your body. When it's really starting to be released, um, it can feel like someone is burning you on the inside. This is what makes these things so dirt dangerous. It has been understood that the Kundalini energy has the same temperature and resonance as the sun that is anciently understood, as above, so below. So as hot as the sun is, is as hot as the sun is, i.e. the Christ energy inside of you, as above, so below. And so when it is released, you will feel that sensation. Now, the kundalini energy is your life-sustaining energy in the mundane anyway. So on a daily basis, the kundalini energy is literally what is keeping you alive. It is what allows your mode of function. Little aspects of the kundalini energy are always being released. Kundalini energy is also what is referred to as adrenaline. One normal release of, a, of kundalini energy is when you go into a fight or flight mode. And this is where you hear the different stories that have come out of uh, different parts of the world. And here where you have mothers who are lifting up cars because something happened to their child, or, or, you know, um, people who are fighting animals and, and uh, win but don't remember um, those are fight-or-flight responses, and that is actually small releases of kundalini energy. There is no such thing as not having strength. It's, it's, everything is, is already inside of you. The release of the kundalini energy literally just makes it possible for you to manifest it. The kundalini energy literally will release itself when need be but you have no control over it because we have not been taught in most cases how to take control of it. So you'll have also visions as it's being released. So during particular times where the energy is starting to manifest inside of you, all of a sudden you start having visions, you start having dreams, You'll start having things happen to you. You'll start having uh, interactions with other spirit realms. You'll start seeing things um, because you're starting to transition off of the mundane and you're moving into your fourth and fifth dimension. And this is how you can tell that there is a release uh, going on. You also start to experience different sounds that other people don't hear because things are slowing down for you. In the 3D, things are going so fast that they appear to be solid. In the 4D and 5D, or 4D especially, things are completely slowed down To where they no longer appear to be solid. You can hear the things. You no longer have the boundaries and the barriers. In the 5D, all things are just pure energy. This is where in dreams you see yourself going through a wall. If you're in a dream and you can go through a wall, you're having a dream in the 5D. If you're in a dream, and you transmute in and out of people's bodies, that's generally a dream in the 4D. That's a lot of times how you can tell the difference in what your dreams are. Now, as you're hearing these sounds, you may start to hear things that spook you out, things that no one else is hearing. You may think that, man, I must be going crazy. Um... All these things, those type of things start to occur. Those are normal. Uh, You will also see things in in dreams where you may see a lotus flower. And in in the dream with the lotus flower, the petals of the lotus flower, in the beginning of the dream, will show themselves to you where they're turned down. The lotus flower petals are down. And them being down represents the fact that the sixth chakra and the kundalini energy has not risen. And in that dream, you will see that those petals, those petals are starting to turn and raise up. That is symbolically showing you the process of the Kundalini energy rising, and then that is your body putting you in tune with the fact that yours is starting to rise itself. And so, as that energy becomes more manifest, again the petals, um, you know, turn upward. And these are pretty if you as you study the different people who will say that they've had um, these different experiences, these will be pretty general these will be pretty normal now one way to tell we'll finish actually by talking about the the different experiences with the chakras and how you can um, understand whether yours are balanced, out of balance, um, underdeveloped, overdeveloped, because each each chakra has a serves a purpose, and if to be underactive or overactive. By gender, there are certain chakras, especially in, in the Western Hemisphere, that are usually normal to gender here, and that's because of the program. An individual with an um, overactive root chakra, they're always obsessed with security they have a fear too much change they have a fear or constantly talking about the need to survive those are individuals you're going to hear Speaking about how things are coming to an end, and you got to be ready. Um, Overactive root chakra. A person who has a under root chakra, will be one who has no orientation towards security, is never aware of their surroundings, uh, has no thirst or quench. Um for survival, who generally will be seen as someone who um doesn't work ever um, always asking someone for something um instead of getting it themselves, not very grounded, uh kind of all over the place mentally and physically seems to always be going through a transition of who they are. Those are the people who generally go from one religion to the next um, every other month, um, one job to the next if they ever have one. Um, Can't keep things in perspective very well or has a just I-don't-care attitude about everything to whatever, whatever. Most men fall with having either an underactive or overactive root chakra. Most women, if they have an imbalance in the root chakra, is usually going to be overactive, not underactive. There are very very few women who have it underactive because, by nature, a woman's first instinct, by nature, is going to be a protocol for safety and um, survival, not on the physical but on the material aspect of the domus. And this is why she seeks most, you know, women seek men who can provide security. So most of the time women will be overactive. Those become your, um, you know, materialistic women who are looking for the come up, you know, got to have the baby by the baller, you know. So, you know, that's that's the overactive if a woman falls into it. She's usually going to be overactive. Now the sacral chakra. The sacral chakra is going to deal with your intimacy, your emotion, your sexuality, a person who has an overactive um, sacral chakra is going to be a person who's overly sexually active, whose sex is, is a part of their um, root desire. This is your scorpion nature, Scorpio. Um, intimacy is no big deal. Let's just go do it. Um they're usually highly volatile and highly emotion, emotional, can be erratic. A person who is, has an underactive sacral chakra usually um, has a hard time having an orgasm. They have a hard time being exposed on an intimate level. They have a hard time expressing their feelings. They have um, seem to be disconnected sometimes and unemotional at all. Men usually are overactive. Women in this society are usually underactive. Women in this society are made to be underactive. This is why you hear most women speaking of the fact that they don't have an orgasm during sexual encounters. An orgasm is not, and I do repeat, not, I want to say it again, an orgasm is not generated by a man. Orgasms do not come from your sexual interaction with the man. A man is only a conduit to give you the means of pleasure your acceptance, your acceptance of that pleasure, and your your acceptance of the intimacy. Of the intimacy, is what generates orgasm. The man does not generate. Women in this society, are made to feel, uh, that their sexual nature has to be suppressed, and this becomes the reason. While most women you meet will tell you that they, they don't orgasm, some will say they never had an orgasm during sex, uh, many will say that they rarely orgasm during sex, but that actually has to do with them. You, a woman should be able to bring herself during sexual relations to orgasm within a few minutes. It should not take 15, 20, even 10 minutes. It is, that is a self-afflicted thing, meaning that she can't keep concentration, meaning that her mind is all over the place because the intimacy is too overbearing for her. So she can't control her mental and emotional aspects, which impedes her ability to orgasm. She should be literally be able to orgasm in two or three minutes because it's on her. A man... Who usually falls into overactive because in this society, men are taught and congratulated by by what would be considered sexual conquest. So the more sexual partners you have, the better. The more masculine or manly you are. And so men, when are overactive, which most men are. Okay, most men are going to be overactive, have an overactive sacral in this Westernized society. This is why men tend to um, orgasm too quickly, like way too quickly. And it's not that they're bringing themselves to orgasm, it's that they have no control of their orgasm, and there's a difference. You should be able to, as a man, orgasm when you choose just as a woman, she'd be able to bring herself to orgasm when she chooses. Most men in this society don't have control of their orgasm, a control of that energy. So they orgasm involuntarily from the excitement and the act. And that's a sign of an overactive sacral chakra. Now you have the solar Chakra, and that's going to deal with your energy, your vitality, your desire. And underactive um, solar plexus chakra is going to manifest in in low self-esteem. I don't want to do anything. No, I just you know I just like to stay in, stay in, stay in the house. i don't feel too too good today um, that's the low energy low vitality low desire individual uh, individual who never is outside who um, can't go anywhere unless they're dressed or, or made or made up a certain way and then the individual who is always um, hoping that people see the best in them um, who who actually Uh, Has to be liked That's the underactive solar plexus chakra The overactive solar plexus chakra Is the individual who is considered um, Conceited um, As as it's called A person who um, Is um, Way too Outgoing Has to be uh, Seen everywhere Has to be the center Of attention Too much enthusiasm, overly enthusiastic all the time. Don't have control usually will show a lot of signs of materialism. Those are overactive um, solar plex chakras. And either gender you'll see um, will mix and match in there your heart chakra. That's going to be dealing with love, hope, compassion. Now, with that one, the underactive heart chakra is someone who doesn't like to hug or touch, which also, of course, goes back to the second chakra. A person who really does not like to get to know new people who doesn't want nor need trying to attempt to make new friends. A person who purposely uh, only keeps their, their circle uh, small and are not open um, to, to, Meeting new people. That's the person who also uh, gets upset if you and him or you and her are supposed to go somewhere and you bring a friend. They're the why did you bring her? Why did you bring him? I thought it was just gonna be that, that's the underactive heart chakra. They don't have hope. They don't have have love. They don't have compassion. They're overactive. Is the touchy feely, um, um, always touching you, you know, hugging you? Um, Got to have everybody close. Um, that's the overactive heart chakra. Overactive. There's a part of them missing, so they're trying to find, um, trying to find love there. Um, they don't have a balance so everything is overly positive, overly eccentric when it comes to positivity. Um, They attach their heart to everything. They are always crying about something. They can go see a comedy and start crying. That's the overactive heart chakra. Now, the throat chakra. That's going to be the communication, creativity, and healing. The underactive throat chakra is going to be the individual who mumbles, you can barely hear them when they talk. You're like, what? What? Say that again. I can't hear you. You gotta talk up. That's an underactive throat chakra. It suppresses that energy, so you can't talk loud. You don't talk loud. They aren't very creative. They lack creativity. Um, They're very sickly people. Um, They don't communicate well. They harbor everything on the inside, which is actually what causes the illness. Um, The overactive throat chakra is a person who talks so much, you like, you got to shut up. Stop talking. That's overactive. They're the person who, uh, when they start talking, everyone else is talking normal, and they come in, you know, hey, yeah. I, you know, that's the overactive. They're, they're, it's just too much. Um, they're always over the top when it comes to communication, over the top even in their flamboyance with uh, their hand gestures. the two, the hand gestures are wide out there. You know, everything is extreme when it comes to communication. Extremely high-spirited with communication. You also have the um, third eye. Okay, that's the intuition, that's your uh, psychic senses, your clairvoyance. The underactive um, is going to be an individual who is overly analytical, can only see the mundane side of things, is from always, always, always thinking based on strategy, Um, never feeling, a person who's disconnected spiritually, Um, a person who challenges and disbelieves everything if it can't be proven by science. If it's not scientific, it cannot be true. That is an underactive. A person who is mentally disconnected, has no connection a lot of times to siblings Um, does not really get to know people very well on the inside. That is the underactive. Underactive. A person who is overactive will be the individual who is overly ritualized. Overly ritualized. That's the individual who you have to do a sous-sance before you go to the grocery store. Okay, we got to ask the ancestors to protect us before we go to the store. We got to light some candles, tell grandma and grandpa we, we need them, you know, because we could be crossing the street and someone can hit us. We need the ancestors protection. You know, I know we're going to buy some pants, but we need to ask the ancestors what kind of pants we need to get. Um, that's that individual who has to dress every single day and every single gym and everything they got. Um, who is just uh, just way eccentric with everything. Um, that's an individual who um, has no strategy in their life. Everything is about how I feel. Uh, we just going to go with it. we just going to go with it. This, this is how it is. This is what I see. I think we just got to go with it. They don't think anything out. They just live on a limb. That is the overactive third chakra. Then you have the crown chakra. Now, that's going to deal with your cosmic consciousness, your enlightenment, your understanding. And this one is interest. Underactive, the underactive crown chakra is the atheist. There is no God. This is it. There is no such thing. Um you know there isn't there is no God at all. Uh, that's we are. You know this is evolution. Um, you know we are not connected. That is the uh, individual who hunts for game, who does not see um, see any connection to universe or to animal or to plant. Everything is just fair game. It's dog eats dog. Uh, there's no spiritual consciousness in this in this individual. How they see everything as sport, and everything um, is completely based is completely based on um, um, science um, and completely based on real being realistic. In their eyes, the person who is overly, overly, um, overly active. Crown Chakra is a person Who refuses to Participate in anything Anything If it if, if it isn't um, About Jesus I can't go I can't listen To any music if it Isn't about the Lord I can't go anywhere You know because I got To go to church those are overactive crown chakras. They're over overactive. All that comes out of, out of um, their mouth is, is about Allah is about Jesus, my Lord and Savior. That's overactive crown chakra. It's, it's out of whack. It's overly active. Those individuals who, who disconnect and do not see an ability to enjoy anything in, in the 3D. Everything is cast off. And if it's not completely spiritually related, they cannot, will not be a part of it. The key for everything is balance. Everything is balance. You're not supposed to conquer your lower self. Every every chakra has a lower self and a higher self. The key is the uniting of Asia. It's the uniting of the higher self and the lower self. It's not the conquering of the lower self. Nothing was created for you not to be able to partake. It is the balancing of these things that are the key. Without the balancing, you're overactive, underactive. You're out of alignment either way. Creation always takes masculine and feminine principles to be balanced. When they're balanced, you can create. So for those who think that you're supposed to conquer, that means that you are sequestering or or squishing one part of your nature. Your nature is there for you to partake in it with balance, with balance. And so when you learn how to be one with yourself, you don't necessarily move by desire, mundanely desire. You move by thought and intuition. That's the uniting. Desire is the out of balance. The uniting is to move with thought and intuition, not desire. And that is the, what the achievement has to be about with the chakra. This is the reason that you release the kundalini energy. This is all the preparation. This is why, because it is the uniting of Asia. Man's meeting place with Allah is in his heart. And so the physical became a foe for man so that he would be able to know his higher self and his lower self. And what, upon knowing his higher self and lower self, then can become one with the creator again. And that is takes place by balancing the seven seals. And when you balance them, that becomes my people are in this world, but not of this world. And that becomes the key. Again, get, the, get your tickets for Umir tash Bay, October 15th and 16th. One is in Sacramento Territory, um, and one is in the Oakland Territory. And let me give you the email for the Sacramento territory one more time. Go back to it here. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay, here it is. So for the Sacramento territory, you go to nine n i n e five. F I V E nine five spelled out N I N E F I V E Prodigy P-R O D I G Y dot net That's for the Sacramento Territory For the Oakland Territory You go to Northgate Bay at gmail dot com. when I'm saying go to, that means that you go to PayPal and that's who you pay. You pay nine five at prodigy.net and you pay north at Northgate Bay or Northgate Bay at gmail com or paypal dot com. If you need information about the cost, uh, we will send you over a flyer. The cost up until up until this coming Sunday for the Sacramento um, lecture is 20 notes. After that it changes to 30 notes on next Monday. The cost for the Oakland Territory um, function is 30 notes, and then next Monday it changes to 40 notes. There will be no exceptions. Get it in. The seats are limited at both venues, so we don't advise waiting because in both events last year, of course, seats were sold out. We had to, in the Sacramento Territory, they needed to try to get extra seats. Uh, Because you have so many people waiting at the last minute, and we didn't want to deny anyone. However, at the venue we're at in Sacramento this time, there will not be an ability to add extra seats. And there definitely is already not an ability in Oakland territory because this is a classroom. So in Oakland, it's a seminar. It's not a lecture. So we will only have a certain amount of books for everybody. And when they're gone, they're gone. And we're only making enough for those who paid, and we'll make a few for those who come for the door. But when they're gone, they're gone. When the seats are sold out, if the seats sold out, sell out before we get to the door, which they almost did last year when it was a lot more expensive last year, and it's still almost sold out before we got to the door, it's half the price this year. So I expect to sell out before the door. So do not wait. Do not wait. And like I said, we're going to give you your books and materials that you need for the seminar um, when you get there. And with that, um, appreciate you joining. I hope we did some good. Peace and love. See you next Monday.